You're listening to Intellectual Erection, a place where we talk about the naughty. Oh, to stimulate your thinking. You're listening. You're listening to Intellectual Erection. Intellectual, intellectual, intellectual Erection. Hello and welcome to another episode of Intellectual Erection with your host Patrick. Before we get on to today's episode, uh, I would just like to say thank you again to the listeners. If you want to support Intellectual Erection, please go to GoFundMe and look for the Intellectual Erection podcast. All your help is welcome to keep this show going. Uh, today's show, we talk about some difficult things, some fun things, but there will be some mention of rape and mental health. So if you are sensitive to these sorts of subjects, then maybe this episode is not for you. We don't go into too much depth, but it is mentioned. So just a little bit of a warning. And uh, keep listening, like, subscribe, review, and enjoy this episode. And I'm sitting here today with Kit. Hello. Hi, Kit. <laughs> how are you? Good. How are you? I'm really well. Well, um, why don't you introduce yourself? What do you do? And what do you want to say? Sure. Share as much or as little as you like. You can put in plugs for any of your businesses if you like. <laughs> Whatever. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. 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 Since we were just talking about that, yeah. and we're like supporting each other's business, which is awesome. Um, my name's Kit. I currently am going to a holistic school to be a holistic practitioner, essentially, is what I'd get a diploma in. Mm-hmm. And I've just recently gotten really excited about it and decided to just kind of fall into abandon of making a business out of it as well because I seem pretty passionate about it. So right now my business is Sit With Kit and I'm doing meditation and oracle card readings and I'm doing some massage as well. Ooh. So it's pretty nice. <laughs> you put massage at the end. Yeah. And maybe some massage. You know, just the massage. Right after all the mystical stuff. Yeah, well, my in my bio at Sit With Kit where you sit with me for meditation mm-hmm. or you sit during an oracle card reading or you just... Lay down and have a massage. <laughs> Oracle. Uh, I had one reading once. Yeah. Now I'll I'll give you the caveat. I don't. I'm not a believer in these sorts of things. Totally. Uh, that's where I come from. But uh, I had a woman once in uh, Romania read uh, mm. some cards for me, and my I was married at the time. My wife said, uh, "I'm not doing this. It's scary. I don't want to know things." I'm like, "Come on. Who cares?" She reads the cards and she's like, yeah, give me a private reading. Um, and then told me, uh, I don't see you and your and your wife being together after a certain amount of time, blah, 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 blah. You're going to find different avenues. I'm like, all right, cool, thanks. Wow. <laughs> Where am I now? Yeah. <laughs> the cards spoke. The, the cards, cards spoke. spoke. <laughs> yeah, but it's very interesting sometimes how they work out and then other times when they honestly don't and it's more so just because in my opinion that you're you're not seeing like the lesson properly and I feel like that's just an homage to life right like sometimes something happens to you and it's supposed to be a lesson but the the things keep repeating themselves until you learn that lesson as as kind of a philosophy that I've learned well, there least, you go. but yeah there you go there you go all right <laughs> so um 
Kit does massages. Kit does readings. Yeah. And they also do... Uh, kink. Kink. Yeah. What else? <laughs> BDSM. BDSM. Uh, fuck. Just a, a slew of things. You're, yeah. uh, you're like this uh, wild rainbow package of creativity and wonderful little surprises. I've always kind of been a chameleon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like a lot of different aspects of my life, uh, people have noticed that I've, I've been, I, I'm a chameleon in all those different aspects mm-hmm. and the same goes for the kink community um like kink for me is just such an umbrella term of what i do because i do try and delve into so many different forms of it mm-hmm. um and really try to like adapt to the situation especially being somebody who identifies as switch i feel as though that's a big aspect of being a switch is that you're you're not just always identifying as a dom or a sub or putting that like very um like on each each spectrum kind of label on it you're you're not even in the middle you're just all over the spectrum right 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 yeah i agree with you completely i i'm i think i'm a switch too Mm -hmm. personally and i'd lean more towards the dom side of things right but that might just be me struggling with my uh ideas of masculinity it's so, so interesting that you say yeah. that because for a really long time i was always pinned as a sub and i think mm-hmm. it's because i'm just like this tiny femme kind of personality yeah um and, and can be and uh even in like a mask presenting role i'm still like this tiny little thing right so it's I, i've seen it. i've seen you dom but um, yeah and, and you get a lot bigger you get a lot bigger <laughs> You know, personality speaks for for itself. I think uh, you, I've definitely seen you take over, and mm-hmm. you don't look so small. Yeah, and that's yeah. the thing. That's why if you just meet the right people who allow you to express that side of yourself, mm-hmm. it does wonders for just opening up your whole world to different experiences. Yeah. And and that's what I've found through the community is I've just been able to meet the right people who introduce me to different aspects of the kink world. All right. So we're doing that thing where you, where everyone's getting a preview of what's in the middle of the film. So now we got to take it back to the beginning. Okay. So uh, what I always love to know is where all of this started for you. Mm-hmm. Your um, introduction into the poly, kink, BDSM, sex positive communities. Uh, there's no umbrella for all of it. I think in my head, the umbrella term for this would be just sex positive communities. Yeah. I don't definitely. know if that makes sense. That does make sense. Uh, so sure. I'm, I'm learning as I, as I go with this. But um, yeah. How did you... How did you get introduced to all of these things and take it back as far as possible? If there was a time early in your childhood when something happened, when you got like turned on to something, uh, your first exposure to, I don't know, kink, BDSM, uh, non-monogamy perhaps. Mm -hmm. If there's something in the, in the background there, if you remember it. Well, there is, I actually have, I would think of like two stories that first come to mind and one's kind of like cute and funny and another one's a little bit like darker and heavy. So we'll start with the fun one. Okay. Um, (laughs) which is like when I have such vivid memories of masturbation. I masturbated at just like such an early age, which I think Mm. just talks to the sex positivity and my comfortability with my sexuality. And And just being somebody who could openly like talk about it and uh, especially as a biological female not being ashamed of like masturbation and it was just something that my parents were aware of like we used to call it crawling because I, I would just hump stuff. 
That's so cute. <laughs> so just oh like um, toys and like the the sides of um, couches and stuff like that. And uh-huh. my parents were just like, you know, we don't do crawling outside. We only do it in the privacy of our home. But like it's like That's healthy so and it's good to to do, right? So they're really encouraging of it. So. <laughs> you horny little rat. Keep it in the house. <laughs> yeah, keep it in the house. Which like I totally understand. You yeah. don't want people just humping yeah. shit all around town. Um, and now you're crawling but, all around town. But now I'm <laughs> crawling all around town. It's true. As an adult, maybe it's a little bit more like accepted, yeah. right? Uh, but yeah, that would be kind of the sex positivity that I, I was lucky enough to grow up with a very like sex positive family as well. And then the unfortunate part of what got me into BDSM, I always tell people that it was Oasis because mm-hmm. that was like my first kind of huge introduction, like big plethora spectrum introduction. But in high school, I was unfortunately raped by somebody that I went to school with. And the whole interaction was very, very heavy on BDSM. And that was actually my first interaction with it, which was a really unpositive interaction. But I think I was kind of like empowered by it in a way as well, where I just wasn't gonna let this person, like even though they they didn't like ask if it was okay, essentially for them to be, you know, tying me up to the bed and doing all these other things. Uh, it didn't take away like my likeness for it, which I think for a lot of people it could have. It could have been like it was such an unpositive experience that you wouldn't ever want to enter that world again. But for me, like I knew that it was so like if I ignored it and I had kept it under wraps, I just think that it would have eaten away at me to not be able to express that side of myself. So oh, yeah. I'm really sorry that happened to you. Thank you. Yeah. But it's it's, uh, it's good to hear that you survived mm-hmm. and that you managed to turn something traumatizing and yeah. awful. Uh, and what's that word I'm looking for? You repurposed it almost. Yeah. Is what I want to say. I don't know if that's accurate, but definitely. You, yeah, you repurposed a, a a shitty, awful experience into something that you said was now empowering yeah exactly that's why when i look back at it i don't have any like i think i think what's great about what's happening the conversation happening right now with the whole me too movement and people Mm -hmm. coming out is that you are feeling empowered because you're feeling like you're not alone and that and the kind of bittersweetness of it is there is a community that forms out of people coming out about their stories and the fact that you have this platform where people can talk o- openly and honestly about what they've experienced yeah. and somebody out there could be listening thinking like they've had a similar experience and not feel like so ashamed for somebody that's still into that kind of kink play even if they've had some positive experiences with it you can still meet the right people and like break out of Mm-hmm. The, the the trauma essentially well yes and thank you so much for for being brave enough and candid enough to to open yeah. up about something like that yeah definitely thank you for allowing me to oh. <laughs> <laughs> anytime anytime Perfect. Uh, and i hope that uh for any listeners that have been affected by uh by these sorts of things that it might be uh you know like you said good to to hear that they're not alone yeah and you know I don't want to speak too much about it because it's not really my my place to say. Right. As as how uh, reformative these uh, these sorts of experiences are supposed to be or where they're supposed to go. So this is my place to kind of listen and yeah. and try to understand. Cool. Um, so you had 
that first introduction, which could have potentially been devastating. Yeah. And that was in high school. That was in high school, and then really shortly afterwards, a good friend of mine who went to UFT heard about the, um, I guess, kind of orgy that they had organized for students mm -hmm. that started the student nights at Oasis, <clears throat> and they were really interested in going, but didn't really know anyone that, were, that they were comfortable going with. So they asked me, and, and we went, and we met some of the people who worked there. It was a like in the middle of the day on a Sunday, we didn't even take our clothes off. This we was at Oasis. Like, this was at Oasis. You with your clothes on at Oasis. <laughs> That's a sight. <laughs> it is, right? People are like, "Is there something wrong?" Like, if I ever toured around Oasis with my clothes on, people ask if something's wrong because because it, it'll be like I've had like a long day, like and I'm just yeah. And it's happened a handful of times sometimes where I just don't muster to take my clothes off. Yeah. People, it's like a signal. Well, that's what, I, that's what I like about the place is that, you know, you can go there and, and just relax and hang out with what's now become friends. Yeah. For a lot of us. And exactly. Treat it as a spa day. Yeah, or, and that's what I try to explain to a lot of people about these different um, communities and clubs or whatever it is that you stumble into that it's not meant to be a scary place it's a very opening community it's a very um you know warm community like they it's people i think associate that just because you're into the king community and into yeah. all these like gnarly <laughs> dirty you know raunchy kind of activities that that means that that's kind of your personality 24 7 and mm. it's not <laughs> like you meet the genuinely yeah. most like honestly, and if, nice and if it was, it'd be cool too. <laughs> you know? Yeah. If, if you were twenty four seven raunchy, I'm like, all right, cool. Guess, that's you. Yeah, that's you. You do you. You yeah. do you, boo. Yeah, exactly. Oh man, yeah. The uh, the the community is is great in that sense. I think. Uh, yeah. Or communities. Let's put it that way. The intersecting communities of sex positivity. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. We're we're getting academic. Um, they 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 can be wonderfully accepting. Mm -hmm. uh, good safe spaces sometimes yeah um, not always uh, no, yeah no. it's 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 good that we can we can promote uh, these communities but unfortunately there's shitty people everywhere so even these yeah. communities have their fair share I'm, I've encountered some I'm sure you've encountered some definitely and um, that's why you just have to find the right people yeah it's all about yeah. finding your specific community um, and, and your your family essentially mm -hmm. like for I think for a lot of people in like like you mentioned earlier the intersecting communities there's a lot of queer mm -hmm. community overlap with the kink world in right. my experience at least and I feel as though now that you know more people can be open about their sexuality but not everybody accepts it the queer community is somebody is filled with a group of people who really call that community their family uh and i feel as though the people in the kink scene as well are also those who like have maybe been ostracized by right. other people so they find their family through these communities mm -hmm. yeah absolutely <laughs> so uh let's take it back to where where you left off mm -hmm. you go to oasis for the first time this is uh this would have been ago? I must have just turned 19. Ooh. Yeah. So it would have been five you, years ago. Just crawling just all the way. Like, finally, myself. I'm old enough. Yeah, finally I'm old enough. Just okay. a little babe. Still so, a little babe. 
But um, I met one of the employees who just immediately introduced me to polyamory. Wow. Um, I think that was more my introduction of like an intersexual community and just through the polyamory of being able to have an open relationship where I was meeting other people in an intimate way mm -hmm. then also opened me up to uh, the kink BDS scene and everything else that then just trickled after that. But polyamory, I think, was what really opened the door because right. it's what allowed me to see a variety of different people in a very intimate aspect and be introduced what they were were into. So prior to that, you were, um, I presume, monogamous. Yeah, I was monogamous. Mm -hmm. I'd been in a monogamous for like relationship for like three years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, how did you find that? It was so. My recollection of high school was I dated a lot yeah. and I cheated a lot. And I think that... <laughs> I've been hearing that a lot. Yeah. It's, it, well, that seems yeah. to be the common story, right? Is that if you had just known about polyamory earlier on in your life, you, you would have... been more ethical. <laughs> yeah. You would have hurt a lot less people, yeah. for sure. So being introduced to it was just really eye-opening and like refreshing all at the same time might we say liberating it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was for sure yeah. yeah definitely yeah so my whole shift from being committed to one person and then having the freedom and here's the thing i don't want to bash monogamy at all because mm -hmm. i have people in my life who are monogamous and I, I believe wholeheartedly that monogamy is the right path for them and it's how they'll always mm -hmm. be and it essentially if you we can go as far as saying is they were born that way um <laughs> you know like they were just that's how they're hard hardwired like that's why i always explain it to my mom and sisters they try to wrap their mind around how i can love more than one person and mm -hmm. i think i'm just hardwired that way there's something in like like maybe even to go as far as like evolutionarily why did we go from just being able to reproduce like having sex reproduced mm -hmm. then having this like loving nurturing relationship to now all these other kind of streams of relationships are starting to pop up and appear and it's not just one defined right. it's it's the way that we we construct these these realities yeah so i think that i think both monogamy and polyamory are are essentially social constructs because mm. uh biologically the only thing that we can say for sure is that uh sex is uh, effective for reproduction right right yeah. notice the word effective i'm not <laughs> using meant for or any of these terms but like yeah. it's effective for reproduction so beyond that everything else is just determined by us how we do it when we do it with how uh, how many people uh how often all these mm -hmm. sorts of things and of course there's there's small biological determinants in these actions as well it's not like we're just completely detached from that but um yeah i think the the idea of, of both polyamory and monogamy are are heavily constructed mm -hmm. and even if there is one inclination uh, evolutionarily speaking towards one or the other um then at some point uh that ends it's like yeah we're we're uh evolutionary inclined uh, evolutionarily inclined to seek multiple partners okay so that's a win for polyamory but everything right. we do after that the ethics the types of relationships the nurturing like you were talking about that's constructed 
yeah. that's based on our environments, our societies, our politics, whatever else, right? Yeah, exactly. There's so much that influences it. Yeah. Uh, so for you, the transition was, uh, was uh, I'm hearing, fairly organic. You, you saw yourself yeah. like, you know, I just kind of found the right place to feel and do the things that I've been doing anyway. And now yeah. I don't feel guilty about it. Yeah, I really just like stumbled into it, yeah. to be quite frank. Um, I think from what I'm learning through my courses, there's such a power in energy. And whether you, people believe in possessing a type of energy or not, it a lot of people have noticed that when you just put out that right positivity, mm -hmm. it attracts positivity as well. And I think I was just in such a uh, open space in my heart at that time that it just allowed me to meet the right people like i was just i just really was lucky enough to start out with like a group that was really yeah. solid that and like i'm i definitely moved to different groups throughout the years like i'm a part of a as you know a completely different like group of friends um than when i originally like started in the in the community but um the thing is i've just I've, I've always attracted like the right people who have been able to like keep me safe and happy and understand me and love me for who i am and yeah that's just i've just been able to, to stumble into it but i think a lot of it does have to do with the state of mind that i had and the openness and that i wasn't you know closed off i think when people come in with expectations and they're closed off and they just and they're i don't know have a certain attitude about things it just deters people away Right, right. Yeah. And that's, uh, I think, um, what you're saying is absolutely true. Whether or not, like you said, you believe in uh, energies or not, the the outcome is the same. <laughs> People that are pleasant to be around, that are, uh, uh, you know, that share joy and pleasure and all these sorts of things and are open uh, seem to be more attractive and seem mm -hmm. to have those same types of people around them. And then people that are miserable... Uh, you know attract that sort of misery or they want to share it with others and then yeah. that also reproduces itself so yeah. to speak so okay <laughs> we, we went through uh, through quite a bit we're, we're going <laughs> through slopes mountains i like this i like this I, know, I love the tangents it's yeah great. um the next thing i typically like to ask is uh after being in these communities, mm -hmm. uh, the different intersecting communities, have you adopted any identities that you like to use? Uh, some people don't like to use labels, and there's reasons for that. Mm -hmm. So just uh, talk about that a little bit. How I do you feel love about labels. It? You love labels. I love labels. I and feel like there's finally I meet one. Uh, Great. Yes. Because so many people on this podcast are like, yeah, I don't like the labels. I'm like, but okay. I understand and, uh, that, yeah, totally. but you also get to construct them. You also get to create them yourself, mm -hmm. and you do use them sometimes. So I, I see both sides of it, running away from labels, but I also see the attraction to labels. Yeah, and I like, think that it's helpful too. Yeah. Like it, it, labels are a part of your identity. Yeah. Like you don't label yourself as one thing. You right. you label yourself as, you know, your multiple different things within this one right. personality. And I think it's a cool way to be able to connect with different people because they get a better understanding of who you are based on how you label yourself right and especially in these communities when you're connecting with people that 
you know, you're interacting with in a very vulnerable and intimate way, I think it's important to know, you know, what are these person's boundaries? What are their interests? Right, and that right, goes right. along with the label. Exactly. Uh, I think that if I identified specifically as a dom, I'd feel complete. Like, I, I've, I've had personal interactions with uh, friends who are doms that just feel so uncomfortable in a sub scenario and yeah. they just won't step on it and that's totally respectful right. but the reason why they know that is because of, of the label that they put on themselves and that's where like for me as a switch it's in i don't know personally i find it even more important as a switch because you just have such a vast variety of labels that you can put yourself into and it's really important to know where your boundaries are with each different identity mm -hmm. um, so that you're not in a situation where like i am in situations with a lot of thruples where there'll be uh, <laughs> <Thruples>. right <laughs> there'll be a dom and there'll be a sub and then there's me and i'm in the uh -huh. middle and the idea is that you know i'm only subby for the dom and i'm dommy for the sub mm -hmm. and that's and that's my role and i know that, for example, I wouldn't ever get up in a scene and slap my dom across the face. Right. Like, that just would not... Even though I have dom tendencies, yeah. I would only ever do that with the sub in the situation. So I think that's where the labels can be really helpful, is especially knowing your boundaries. Yeah, and I think the, the fear is, and I've said this before on a different podcast, um, so I have three things about it. I understand why some people don't want labels, because... Mm -hmm part of being in these communities is to step away from all the labels in other communities. Right. But I think there's fun and creativity in being able to construct some of these labels yeah. as, as part of the community, as the fun side. And I also think the fear, on the other hand, is that if you don't construct them uh, for yourself, then somebody else might do it for you. Mm. And I think there's a fear, a legitimate fear of that as well. Mm -hmm. And I, this is just a, a like what I've gathered from, from different voices uh, and what I'm hearing about identities and labels, right? Right. So there's a, there's a part that empowers you in, in doing it yourself as opposed to having other people begin to label you. Yeah. But then yeah. other people don't want to be pigeonholed and they're like, I don't want to be held to new standards. And so, yeah, yeah. I, I understand what uh, what's going on. So I from your perspective, you love labels. You I like, love labels. Tell me more about them. Yeah. Which ones do you like? What have you adopted? <laughs> what do they mean for you? I definitely more recently have adopted daddy as a label, Ooh. which I love. I really feel very like connected to that role and especially somebody who has been more introduced to the BDSM kind of kink side of things for closer to the four or five year range. Uh, it's always been very much on the dom subby side. Which, in my opinion, from my experience, is a very different relationship. It's very specific to uh, certain scenes and certain things, you know, masochistic, sadistic things happening during that scene. Um, and obviously, like, a cool down and, and aftercare afterwards as well. But with a daddy and like little situation, it, there's just always this nurturing aspect to it. And mm -hmm. I think with the people that I'm really like very intimately close with, like my fiance, who you know, mm -hmm. that that kind of puts this very like cute aspect to the relationship. Yeah, it can be like, very nurturing. It's very nurturing, yeah. yeah. And as a switch, what's interesting is that I get to be a little as well. 
so oh. I'm not in this. So you get pampered as well. Yeah, <laughs> I, get, yeah. I get a little bit of both. Exactly. Yeah. Like I get to be the nurturer and I get to be the nurturee. And I think I'm lucky enough that I found somebody who's also switch in mm-hmm. terms of somebody who's my anchor partner. Right. Um, so I can, I'm able to play around with that a little bit more, but in some of my other partnerships, because I identify as polyamorous, I have certain partnerships where I'm always a little, or I'm always a daddy, right? Um, or I'm always a dom or a sub or whatever of the variety of different labels that I've adopted. There's certain relationships where I'm just always that particular identity mm-hmm. and that doesn't change. And that's where the like I said previously, the labels become important for me because then you understand your boundaries with each different relationship. It becomes a little bit harder, not harder, but a little bit more of a challenge with me and my fiance both being switch and yeah. <laughs> trying, to, trying yeah. to navigate when somebody's going to be in which role. Right. Um, but we're, it happens pretty organically yeah. for us. I've seen you both and you're both pretty good at it. Yeah. <laughs> and I've seen you both in, in different roles and it's it's quite impressive just to see that dynamic shift. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from my observation, it was very organic indeed. Yeah, it just, it's happened so naturally. And we've been able to really support each other through our other relationships. But the one that we have together is just like melded perfectly. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. So we have Polly, Daddy, Switch. Yeah. What what a else? A little as well. Little. Um uh, I've been getting more into like a dominatrix role just because there's people in my life that are um in need of that type of relationship from me. Mm-hmm. And it definitely makes me a little bit uncomfortable sometimes. <laughs> Somebody very nicely put it that it's because I'm too nice. <laughs> like I don't like I do really enjoy hurting other people, but then it's always like, oh my god. But are, are you okay? okay? <laughs> yeah. You know, and they're like, stop checking in so much and yeah. checking in like please please know that it's like really important for sure, but I might overdo it sometimes just because I'm so concerned about the other I've human. seen, um, I've actually been in those uh, sorts of situations with somebody who wanted something more uh, aggressive and less mm. uh, checking in. So we made a sort of, um, sorry, we, we had a conversation beforehand and uh, we just agreed that if they get uncomfortable, they're going to let me know. Uh, okay. using either the you know traffic light system or whatever other method of communication mm-hmm. um, and that I'll try to read them and, and like see and if there's you know any visible signs of distress I might slow down and use certain nonverbal cues right right because uh, they didn't want that checking in to, to happen too often they wanted the, the experience to flow rather smoothly yeah exactly which i completely understand because yeah, yeah. as a switch i've been a sub in those scenarios as well so i can definitely put myself in that position where you do want it to be more of an easy flow of like yeah. a steady pace of um brutality yeah. <laughs> happening to your body which you know you want it to kind of increase not like really go on this roller coaster ride at least for me 
Um, and everyone's a little bit different in terms of like what their needs are, but that's what's been so awesome about my experience being Switch is I've been able to adapt in all these different situations and like learn how to be Dom, how to be sub for, and that it's different for everybody, right? Like one person's idea of a dominatrix is completely different for another person. So it's being able to not only have that, um, I, your idea of what a dominatrix is, but also listen to whatever other people's ideas right. are as well and then construct yourself to that. Yeah, and it's uh, it's the type of community where you can really learn a lot from being around other people to, yeah. to kind of shop around to see what you like and mm-hmm. what you want to try, what you have natural inclinations towards, yeah, and maybe what you don't want to try but <laughs> appreciate other people doing, and you can just watch from a safe distance and enjoy. There you go, Voyager. <laughs> that would be another label. A vo- lo- voyeur. A voyeur. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so a Star Trek Voyager, I like. That. Yeah, yeah. There you go. That's exactly what I was going for. So voyeurism is something that you enjoy as well. Yeah, because I think then you like you were already mentioning being able to appreciate somebody else's scene and their interests and just respect it from a different point of view mm-hmm. and be interested in trying it or not yeah but then you get to also see who's well versed and experienced it and experienced in mm-hmm. their <clears throat> in the different like fields of the kink bdsm community and then possibly approach that person after a scene and be like, hey, I'm really interested in this. Can you yeah. answer some questions about it? Or, you know, whatnot, which is which is really nice, too. And then I do also like being the person being watched, obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, but being able to watch as well is really nice. Yeah, and, I, and you've, uh, you've done so many uh, different kinds of performances. Yeah. Burlesque... Uh, uh, stripping, uh, the I've done some camming. Camming, yeah, of course, yeah. Like I said, you have so many little things that you've <laughs> tried all over the place. Um, so it's it's fun to talk about, and sometimes you'll probably forget like some of the things you've uh, you've done. explored. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Spectator performances. Spectators, great. Yeah. Like I've I've did um sh- some shivari in the past and like ropes. Mm-hmm. Um, done some like toy demos and stuff like that which was really fun i Mm -hmm. had a scene where i had one of the rabbit vibrators in my pussy Uh and then another like kind of small bullet vibrator on my clit okay and then i had do you know the um the wee vibe yes like and they have the little like c-shaped one that's like for partners anyway the smaller side i had in my anus (laughs) <laughs> and then we just had this like five inch dildo down my mouth like choking me and it was great like it was just like experimenting with all the different toys and it was so much were you at all overstimulated <laughs> I, that was like a good that was actually a good amount of stimulation there was uh, definitely points where it was like a little bit overwhelming but yeah. you know obviously I let the person I was with know just to like slow your roll yeah <laughs> bring it back slow down yeah wow that sounds like a lot of fun yeah it was really good yeah, so there's lots of different scenes that I've partaken. Like, even, oh, kitty play, like, pet play. Mm. That would be another one that I You've done that as well. With. Yeah, oh. that, like, <laughs> me and my partner are both kitties and I identify as kitties and we both have oh, yeah, our tails that. and our ears. I remember this our now. Our butt plug yeah. tails, yeah. Butt plug tails. <laughs> so cute. It's so cute. With the little ears and the whiskers. Yeah, yeah, probably a good like Halloween costume. Like even, I get to just 
<laughs> Even outside of this scene, I remember I went to a bar once, and everybody that walked into the bar, they uh, it w- there was a fee that night, a cover, right? And instead of getting a stamp on your hand, they painted a black uh, nose, like a little dot on your nose, oh. like a cat, and then three whiskers on each side. So everybody in that bar had a kitty face, and it was the most fun. It was like such a simple thing. Like people couldn't stop smiling. Everyone was having a good time. Um, I don't know. Maybe it was the drinking, but <laughs> but it just it's it was such a brilliant idea. It's that like everybody brilliant. in the bar looked like a cat, and it was fun. That's and super it created fun. like a whole different kind of atmosphere from such a simple little trick. That's what I really love about like the fetish specific events mm. because everyone's dressed up. Everyone has to be dressed up. Right. Right. When they put on those like. Um, what would you call them? Like outerwear, like constraints. Like you have, like the you have to be. It's like mandatory. Like the fetish gear. Yeah, yeah. yeah fetish, so mandatory it, fetish gear. Yeah, so it could be like uh, leathers. It could be straps, yeah, harnesses, latex, playtex. Yeah. Uh, playtex, play <laughs> nice. What I was gonna say about that is that for anybody who. Um, is not part of these communities. One good selling point about these communities is that we basically get Halloween like at least once a month. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> at least it's, once a month. Exactly. If it's not, a lifestyle. Yeah. If you really want to, you can find an event every week. Dress up. I know that a yeah. lot of people, including yourself, I'm pretty damn sure, have a lot of outfits. Yeah, I do have a couple, but I need like I look at some other people. I'm like, oh my gosh, I need more. How many onesies do you have? I just bought a bunny onesie recently uh-huh. um, from the black market, so it was like ten bucks. <laughs> but how many do you have? How many onesies? I, like, if you're counting, so I have two like animal onesies, uh-huh. and I have like a baby onesie. Okay. But I also have like I have overalls yeah. and I have pantsuits, like anything that I can make a onesie. I have a snowsuit from the '80s. Wow. Yeah, anything that I can make a onesie, I yeah. will. I've, I've seen you in a lot of costumes, so yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It is. Um, okay, so one other thing that I wanted to ask you, uh, because I've seen uh, you are quite active on Facebook, communicating a lot of different things, and one of the things that you uh, used to talk to, uh, or maybe you still do, one of the things that you talked about a lot on Facebook was uh, mental health in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about it now? Uh, what are your views uh, and uh, what do you think people might uh, benefit from knowing uh, with regards to these sorts of intersections? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, mental health has been in my family for quite some time and then I just recently got diagnosed with bipolar. So it's been an interesting journey of just learning more about it and I think it's important to know about your own mental health, especially when dealing with the kink community because you're put in such a vulnerable position at times. Mm-hmm. And if you're not treated the right way, it could possibly trigger and cause a lot of other problems down the road. So to know, you know, with your own mental health where your boundaries are. Like if you're a lot of scenes that I've seen where people are getting hit, they get to a certain threshold and uh, like a breaking point and it's almost a release and it's very cathartic and it's very therapeutic for them. Um, But you know, you want to be with somebody that you trust who can kind of look out for certain signals of it being too much or going too far and 
really having like an open communication and dialogue around that and maybe you just you need a certain scene to happen for yourself because you're going through a certain like moment in your life like that's yeah. i i use kink therapeutically a lot i think um, i think so, a lot of people do as well yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, i think what you're touching on is very important is uh is knowing uh your mental uh health situation and also that of your uh, partners mm-hmm. or potential play partners because it does change the dynamic when you have somebody who expressly has specific boundaries that you might not understand mm-hmm. uh, and it does help to to be able to to be there for that person uh, in a way that is nurturing for them as opposed to you know trying to to challenge them and uh, and push them beyond their their limits. Yeah, exactly, yeah. for sure. So that's good. Um, now I want to just ask you: um, within these communities, what do you think are uh, some of the more difficult aspects of of being in these communities? Uh, one example would be like the difference between, uh, let's say, monogamy and polyamory is maybe one of simplicity, right? Mm-hmm. It's simpler to just you know, not have to deal with so many people's uh, feelings and and relationships and and all this time management. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's things like that. In your experience, has uh, what's the uh, what are some of the, the more the difficult things? things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, more recently, it's been the daddy little dynamic, okay. especially for um, somebody that I'm very like intimately involved with that I see. Uh, on a regular basis who the two of us have that dynamic between us and it's a dynamic that isn't as widely accepted as some of as some of the other um i think most people in the king community are ostracized to be honest but Mm -hmm. i think that's the one that has a lot of stigma attached to it and you can't really be that public with that kind of uh relationship and it becomes kind of tricky because we catch ourselves wanting to say, Daddy, can we get this in like yeah. the grocery store, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. in a public place where <laughs> clearly given like the person that I'm with who we have this dynamic, we're clearly not daddy and, and little, especially yeah. when it's when, when the daddy's daddy. being said <laughs> to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, so that that's been really tricky, like trying to navigate when it's appropriate to even like wear like my onesies right like Mm -hmm. i when i'm in little mode i love to put on my ear onesie or my little onesie pajamas that i have or something that says baby on it and like (laughs) you know is a pink overalls that clearly are not meant for an adult (laughs) so yeah there's little things like that and when we use the vocabulary and uh, and when we dress a certain way, it becomes very limited to when we're actually able to mm. live that lifestyle. It's more so in the comfort of our home or places like Oasis, yeah. where we're actually able to express that side. And I feel like it really comes out full force because you've almost been containing it for... And I know of other people who like are very like open with their dynamic, and I think that's really healthy, and I think that that's amazing. I just don't think that that's an option for everybody in terms of right. their comfort level. So, so for you, I guess the um, <clears throat> your normie 
side of your life mm-hmm. doesn't inter- always intersect as uh, as well with uh, with all the the kinkiness and the and the yeah. uh, sex positive side. Yeah, definitely. Like even when I was camming, um, my mom ended up finding out about my cam work and was really displeased mm. with with what she saw. And we had a conversation about it re- more recently, um, where she she very blatantly asked, you know, do you miss it? Because I, I since since a couple of months ago, I have like deleted my my platform on Cam, and I don't do yeah. it anymore because I'm focusing on my other business. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was like, yeah, it was really fun. Like mm-hmm. I, I had a good time. I was able to express myself openly and express my sexuality in an open way. And she's like, you just got to understand that from a different perspective. All we were seeing was you, you know, sticking toys up your ass and gyrating on the internet was essentially (laughs) how she explained it. And I was like, yeah, you know what? Like, I get it. Like, especially like uh, like, from a mom's perspective. Like, So she came around a little bit. But she came around a bit. Yeah. And I think that that's... Wait, did she see? She did see like my Twitter. Okay. But I'm saying she didn't see you on cam. No, I don't think she stumbled across it. Because that's a very specific sticking a toy in your ass and gyrating on the internet. That's a very specific line. It's a very specific scene. And at (laughs) first she said that it was my Instagram, but I'm pretty sure she found my Twitter. And what happened on Twitter? Well, it was just that I, I, you're able to be more explicit on Twitter. No, but I mean, did you did you post a, a video image? Oh or, yeah, like or? I put po- like I would try and post like every day, especially because mm-hmm. I was trying to make camming like okay. a bit of a business. Right. Um, you know, I felt like so, I really had to be on top of it <laughs> socially. On top of it. <laughs> you wanted to dom the industry. I did. I did. <laughs> um, so, your mom did see something, some kind of like image yeah i think she might have come across like a video that i posted like a snippet from one of my like shows or something like that and and that was tricky because it was like people in my normie life finding out about this very deviant sexual side of me (laughs) not really the people that i wanted to find out about that side so it's it's always seems to be a balancing act of yeah, my like normie life, and then how much I let those people in that aspect of my life know about my sexuality and what I'm doing and how I'm expressing yeah. myself. Um, but I'm I'm actually luckier than most because I think I have a pretty open family dynamic. And, I'd say so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> From the crawling to the hey, what, did you miss it? Did you, <laughs> Do miss, you miss having fun on camp? Yeah, on camp. I think I understand now. Cute. Yeah, oh, definitely. And they come to like my mom and my grandparents come to my drag shows and stuff, which is pretty amazing generationally for my grandparents to to be there wow. to be coming from a generation that like probably was never really exposed to anything like mm-hmm. that and they're just like open and <coughs> awesome with it and they that just, is pretty cool it's super cool <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know if i've heard of anybody's grandparents coming to their drag show up yeah well they even came to my, one of my burlesque shows Ooh. and afterwards my mom's in the car and she's like was it weird that i just saw my child shaking their tits on stage mm-hmm. and my grandpa's response was yeah but you know they just have something that's like so special like the way that they perform is just and like those are it and i was like wow (laughs) like that's what he got for my burlesque performance of all things that's well that's uh that's a good takeaway actually yeah totally uh it's it's not bad 
that's a that's an interesting <laughs> takeaway from Umbrella. So I, I enjoyed the art of my granddaughter's tits. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, it's good. It's good. He enjoyed the performance, which is which is nice. He's supporting your your creative. Uh, yeah, uh, and he's seeing that I have a passion for it, and mm-hmm. I have this light that just sparks when I get on stage, which is really cool, regardless of whether I'm naked or not. You know, right. there's just this being on stage for me is just this beautiful, esoteric experience. Right. Yeah. So then, um, do you think that there's still a lot of um, misconceptions that people from outside these communities have about the communities? Yeah, definitely. I think even with my own uh, relationships with my immediate family and them trying to understand, even just polyamory, like Mm -hmm. trying to wrap their mind around the fact that I have multiple partners and that I'm engaged as well. I feel as though a lot of people in my life, when they found out I was engaged, they automatically assumed that that meant I was going to be monogamous, Mm -hmm. which wasn't the case. (laughs) I'm still poly. I was probably still always be polyamorous, um, even (laughs) when I'm married. Right. So... Yeah, I think that there's definitely a lot of misconception. I think that, um, yeah, I just think that there's, like, people don't understand certain aspects of the kink community. Like, they just assume certain personality traits about people who are, like, involved in kink. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, they must be such and such and, like, not so positive attributes that they put towards somebody who you know likes to be hit or likes hitting or likes being tied up or enjoys needle play and likes being burned by wax like oh mm-hmm. they just must be this crazy awful human that so you, you, know, you think that maybe they have some sort of idea that uh people involved in, com- in these communities might be mentally disturbed have mental health issues that yeah are not being be... addressed or like something something towards that that end mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah that they're like deranged in yeah. some way deviants yeah that they're so that they're they're always like this right they're I mean, always kind of are deviants but yeah <laughs> in, the, in the sexiest form of that word yeah i think i think you're right i think there's uh there's some sort of idea that uh, we're abnormal. Yeah, right? exactly. There's and that this, we just yeah. always live these like secretive lives, which is partially true. Yeah. But the abnormality is is, is a is a strange thing because they assume they know what normal is. Right. Yeah. Right? Exactly. And, uh, they they're like, oh, I'm normal, <laughs> and it's weird. Ask them what what does that mean? What does it mean to be normal? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, to to be like uh, like God put you on Earth. Yeah, <laughs> is what my my parents would say, uh, and I don't really know what that means. Yeah, I, I think that's just not reflexive enough. You're not really looking at your behaviors, what constructed them, uh, and what led to your modes of thinking, and your abilities to change these things, which is always demonstrated for you with good evidence. It's like everything that you are, are becoming, uh, have done, your experiences, all these things shape. Uh, change you and parts of these things you can modify mm-hmm. right uh, and if there's one thing about human behavior is that it's more often uh, diverse totally than, than it is anything but anything normal like yeah. The, yeah 
and people have like their their normie lives as yeah. we've kind of like talked about and then these other secretive lives that we've yeah. touched on as well and that I think more and more people are melding the two. Like, it's becoming more acceptable a little bit. There's more conversation around it. But there's still a little bit of this divide. And you know what? To be honest, that's probably okay. Like, it's all right to have these different parts of your life. Yeah, and I I agree with you. I think there's, like, a good uh, uh, notion of privacy. But at the same time, part of why... uh, people in these communities sometimes try to push the bounds in let's call it normie society Mm -hmm. is uh not only for visibility uh, but also to to challenge the perspectives of people who don't understand what goes on and to challenge those misconceptions Mm -hmm. through that visibility so that we're not seen as these like deviants and people don't have these assumptions like oh they're plotting they're weird little like i think some people think we're like serial killers like yeah yeah, yeah, like sit at home and brood and and do weird things that are uh socially unacceptable and Mm -hmm. and odd uh through the visibility i think uh it gets people to understand yeah and to to see how these things play out and part of the this podcast is 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 part of that is trying to to get at you know people like you and your experiences and mm-hmm. you know and see how some people can make those connections and those ties so yeah. like your parents and grandparents they might come around yeah right? even with generational gaps they might come around and appreciate at least from just a very human level that what you're doing is good for you mm-hmm. even if they don't want to participate totally i think it's about showing the people in your life that you're happy and healthy mm-hmm. and that if they really care about you that should be the one concern yeah. anyway are you happy are you healthy are you, you it's know, a good way of putting it yeah, yeah exactly I think the healthy is really important that you add it in there a lot of people say are you happy but I, I don't I don't really necessarily personally care about that mm-hmm. uh, that's not something I would ask right but I think the healthy totally is, is what makes sense because that's the part where people are like you're not normal you're weird you're strange you're, you deviate yeah but is that deviation healthy? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's something that you do that's that's for your health. And yes, happiness as well. I, I just think happiness is cheap. It's like, yeah, people are happy. People totally. are Totally. And happiness is something that is ephemeral, right? Like, it, if you are happy 24-7, oh my gosh, that would just be Exhausting. annoying. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Like, I think the best analogy I could use is that you... Um, don't really know what sweetness is like until you've had the sour parts of life. Like mm. you don't eat, you can't even comprehend that kind of taste. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that it's definitely just this thing that comes and goes. Whereas like your overall health is something that will stick with you forever. So yeah. I think that you're totally right. Yeah. Physical, saying, mental health. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's for no other reason. I understand why happiness is important for other people. Yeah. It's just I'm a bit I'm more of a pessimist and for me <laughs> yeah for me just happiness doesn't do much. I'm like yeah, happy. Uh you know, I'd rather just find something that's meaningful. Totally. And it it's that, that that actually is a form of happiness. It's called uh eudaimonic happiness. Okay. An old white man said this, Aristotle. He's nice. like uh he's like yeah, there's two kinds of happiness. There's like hedonistic happiness, you know that you get from as bodies uh, pleasures eating sorts of things which of course we all do and of right. course 
obviously I, I can't be sitting here like a hypocrite and saying I don't enjoy it. Of course I do. Yeah. Uh, but I try to lean towards that eudaimonic happiness. Mm. And that's finding happiness through meaning. Right. So, yeah, when people ask, you know, do what makes you happy, I don't know what that means. And <laughs> uh, if we're going to get really deep into that discussion, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a really weird thing for me. Mm-hmm. When people ask that, are you, do what makes you happy? Are you happy? I don't know how to answer those questions. Yeah. Because for me, if, if I'm struggling and, uh, and suffering, but I'm finding meaning in doing that, I can't really say I'm happy, but I can also say that I am in a weird way. Yeah. So it's... And you need, and yeah. you need that suffering sometimes, right? I, like I the, so. the most successful people, if success is what we're looking at achieving, have been through some sort of adversity in right. life. Right, um, And I think as a society, we're all becoming much more aware of that. Not to say like, go, you know, chop off your arm so that you have some sort of adversity in your life no no no, no, like i'm not saying go seek it but when adversity does come about embrace it and be and go through the motions of feeling that because happiness is just one emotion that we have we have Mm -hmm. we could be euphoric we could be angry and sad and those quote-unquote unpositive feelings are very therapeutic for us to feel Mm -hmm. and it's okay for us to feel it and you know back on the topic about mental health like you had mentioned earlier in terms of it being a big part of my life I think it's really important for us to go through the waves of of different emotions Mm -hmm. feel the feeling until it no longer needs to be felt right and uh also to clarify I think this is uh it's important to state that when we talk about these sorts of feelings these are um sort of private experiences, private embodied experiences, as opposed to something like um, systematic suffering and mm-hmm. uh, systematic adversity, right. um, which has a different, I think, way of talking about it, is when you face adversity because of your uh, ethnicity, race, gender, religion, mm-hmm. because of a larger power structure. Um, I don't know uh, if 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 it can be spoken about in the same way, right. maybe there's lessons that cross over about yeah. how to handle those things. But um, I'm I'm not in the place to speak about those. No, totally. It's like uh, they're yeah. definitely completely different topics, right? Yeah, like, for sure. Like my, I have different. I have different adversities and different privileges just based on how I was born and what I experienced. Right. Right. And. Um, how what I experienced is very very different feelings surrounding that than what I what I was just born with. Right. Yeah. And I guess there's some some adversity that's that's um, easier to handle than others. Yeah. Because if it's something that you feel you might be able to to help from the inside out, mm-hmm. uh, it might be more empowering. Whereas when it's systematic and uh, it feels like the world is against you, yeah, it can be. What's the word I'm looking for here? Defeating. Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. Yeah, like it's just like it's impossible to change, and yeah, it could be very, very deflating. Yeah, for sure, I agree. <sighs> oh man. <laughs> end on, let's end on a heavy note. <laughs> Quick, tell a joke. Tell a joke. 
Yeah. No, but uh, it's been a pleasure sitting here talking with you. Same. And it's been much a pleasure. I hope we can do this again sometime. Yeah. Let's. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. All right. We'll hear from you again. You're listening to Intellectual Erection, a place where we talk about the naughty to stimulate your thinking. All we were seeing was you, you know, sticking toys up your ass and gyrating on the internet.